0: Hello and welcome to episode 196 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories, one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Storm Smith, publisher of Bunio Books. Bunio is publishing Light by Rob Cham, currently on Kickstarter. This is Matt and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Storm, thanks so much for for joining us on the podcast again. For anybody who hasn't uh, listened to uh, a podcast that you've been on before, could you give us a quick bio about yourself?
1: Well, I'm a writer first, uh, uh, done some screenwriting and comic book writing, uh, had a short story published in a, a Dark Horse anthology and, and uh, published several or self-published several things and then uh, started Bunio in 2016 with Ulysses Farinas. And uh, we have done uh, five books and about uh, seven or eight individual comics and uh, uh, right now we are... Uh, trying to get uh, uh, our first book back out again in a deluxe edition of Light by Rob Cam, which is a silent graphic novel uh, where each page is a full panel, and it's about two little adventurers that must uh, go out into the world and find five gems that will bring light back to their black and white world. So uh, a a little video game, a little comic, and uh, you've got the uh, brilliant colors of Rob Cam that sort of uh, pay off in the end
2: such a cool book i'm a huge fan of um of both light and its sequel um just great books overall i'm so glad that you are able to bring those to the united states um and their publishing and uh would you mind sort of telling retelling the story of how you discovered rob's work and um light in particular
1: well uh it was actually ulysses farinas uh, my partner who's a great artist he's done work for uh covers for Marvel, uh, written stuff for Dark Horse and IDW and uh, uh, companies like that. And uh, he had an offer uh, at one time to, uh, to be an imprint of at the T- Magnetic Press, which was a, a small publishing company. And uh, Light, he had been working with Rob on another project and Rob brought him Light and he sent it to me And he said, here's the book we should do first. And uh, it didn't take me long after reading it to realize it was the perfect first book. Uh, It it was direct, straightforward, and it was a National Book Award winner in its home country, the the Philippines. It it appealed to all ages. And as somebody like me who's grown up reading comics of all kinds, I, I was never, never loved just one kind of comic. You know, if it was drawn, I'd pick it up. Uh, uh, it just appealed to me in numerous ways. And, and you rarely see nowadays silent graphic novels uh, really uh, done that well, in my opinion.
2: It was, uh, it's a book I like to show people um, from anywhere, like if they're a comic reader or not, you know, and that it fits within, like, of course, the sequential art sort of category. It is like, you know, it's undeniably a comic, but it's sort of cool to show people and um, for them not to necessarily be comic readers but them like totally get what this book is and, and really enjoy it so for like your first comic to have it be like incredibly like, you know to say that it's universally appealing is sort of like an understatement because it is like one of the most like, universally appealing types of comics it being silent and purely image well
1: i'm a big believer there's a comic for everybody you know you've mm-hmm. got your friends that you could pull a book off the shelf, Superman, you know, they'd never love it, but you could go get slain or, or preacher and pop that in front of them and they'd love it. And light has that sort of effect on a, a large group of people, children, uh, uh, adults, people who are not expecting to be moved by sequential art. Always. They, they expect one thing and when they get another, it, it, it's a nice little surprise. And Rob was hugely influenced by Chinese and Korean comics that would come to his home country of the Philippines that were silent and brilliantly done silent comics of, of that time. As you know, uh, they mastered uh, sequential art probably long before we did over there so it, it, it's just uh it, it gets that wonderful meld of uh, east meets west and uh which the philippines is it's a perfect example of like you said good sequential storytelling uh, and it can be a a great gateway to uh, the non comic book lover definitely
0: so do you have any insight into sort of Rob's creative process when he's sort of in the scripting phase cuz i would think for something that's silent, you know, single page images it's not the standard panel one panel two you know person one walks into this room they have this conversation so does he have just sort of like a general idea of the story that he wants to do? And then he sits down and he's like, all right, this one image is important to move me to to this point. Um, Do you, do you have any insight into that?
1: I've got not as much as I probably would like to have. I know it originally started out as a card set Mm -hmm. uh, and and was just going to be a a card set. And then it, it evolved and he kept doing more and more and it became the complete story. So I think this, this story as much as anything was maybe a little bit more intuitive. Some of the ones he's done now where, uh, I think he plots a little more and, and uh, and Rob's one of those, uh, fellows who, who's just a master of the, the digital medium and, and his artwork. So, uh, he, the story, uh, that will be in like the deluxe edition is a 10 page prequel about the, uh, the Star of Light with it, his grandfather or hers, it, you know, it's non-gendered with their grandfather, and uh, it's just a brilliant little coming-of-age story where that leads into Light, and I think uh, Light is very much influenced by Rob's uh, personal loves and, and the comics he grew up reading.
2: That's so cool, and I'm—I I'm, was just about to ask, sort of like what, um what are the unique things about this deluxe edition? And you mentioned, of course, the, the prologue. And then is it is it going to be the same size as it was where it was sort of a nice, like, I guess it was like six by six almost, uh, or like seven by seven, well, like seven, hardcover book? Seven
1: by seven, you're close. Uh, yeah. Uh, most people do seem to think it was six by six, but I guess that's that nice little round, that even number sounds <laughs> better, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, uh, definitely uh, same size and uh, uh, an additional I don't know, not a huge amount of additional, but some pinups in there, uh, uh, a little bit of lost will be in there, uh, to try to lead people onto the, the sequel, which has been done, which is about where they fall into another dimension and, uh, have to go their separate ways before they come back together to escape. And, uh, a little bit of lost, some pinups, uh, a little bit from Rob about, uh, the creation and a little bit about Bunio, And, uh, then, uh, just basically a little bit about our other books, so uh, you know the typical couple extra ads that we haven't put in other books, but trying to lead people to other books by us. So uh, a few, uh, that's why we're calling it deluxe. You get the ten-page prologue and and then the extra pin-ups along with a little bit of lost. So get a uh, sort of three stories in one.
2: That's a nice deluxe. The deluxe edition and it's going to be hardcover. Um.
1: Uh it depends on our our backing. If if okay. we can get to our goal, uh it will definitely be a hardcover. but if we can't get there and I have to uh pay for it, uh, it'll probably be a paperback.
0: <laughs> a little bait and switch, that.
1: but <laughs> sometimes you got to do it in this in this pandemic age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was supposed to be a hardback, but uh things happened and it just ended up having to be a paperback. Because uh, a lot of stuff coming out of China and Asia at the time, just you couldn't do it. So we had to go to Canada.
2: I was wondering about that because I got uh, I got it as a Christmas gift. I got lost, um, and it was uh, was one of my favorites that I got this year. And even as a paperback, though, like the print quality is like still amazing. So it's not like I was disappointed or anything. I like, think I was just more pleasantly surprised, and I was like, oh, this is nice. Like this is sort of a cool thing. To have you know, like something new in a different format. So I was wondering why the format changed there. And um, thanks for was, answering my question was before paper I
1: asked it. In the, yeah, it was going to be. It was also paperback in the Philippines. The original uh, lost, so we didn't change it that much. I'd like to have done it as a hardback, but this has been the strangest uh, of times to be a, a small publisher. Uh, lucky, it also makes you a little uh, tough you you build that tough skin doing this and uh we're, we're learning as we go but uh we definitely love to do it as a hardback but right now it looks like it's going to probably be a a, a softback
0: and uh i know that one thing that really struck noah and i when we saw it was the 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 color the 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 the, the deep blacks and stuff like that um are are you with doing it once before, is there, are there any going to, I mean, are the, I'm assuming that the, the, the quality of the, the color is still something you're going to do. Is there anything that, uh, changes with, with that, with this new edition, or is it just sort of trying to keep actually, that we vibrant? Want to change
1: as little as possible with that. Uh, yeah. Cause that's so beautiful. The, first edition, the blacks were so black. The printer didn't know what was actually having horrible bleed because they were, it was just such a, a deep, black that when they would print it it was bleeding and, and they had to go back and redo it and fix it and uh and it turned out wonderful uh because it, it's just how he originally did it and on the computer or you know his original look was for that deep black and Mm -hmm. the way he used it to create a payoff i don't want to be giving away anything but the color is key to the story all the way through like i said they're looking for those five gems to bring the color and the light back to their world so uh the story evolves through color and and the different gems in a way that i thought was uh uh really smart (laughs) compared Comparatively to what I've seen, a uh, uh, use of color uh, done before in uh, a silent and, and sequential graphic novels, it's rarely part of the payoff.
0: So, how is sort of the the world building established in a uh, in a silent comic uh, that they're that they're looking for these these you know these five gems? How, do, how do, is there sort of a prose piece at the beginning to sort of give us the the world? Or are we getting the clues through? The, the actions of the of the characters and, and figuring out it with them as they go?
1: Uh, well, it, it, it's sort of old school, you know, uh, video game style. Uh, they run into a wise old man and uh, who visually, you know, uh, points out to them the direction they must go further and, uh, and uh, helps them. And it, it's an amazing use of uh, just little visual cues that help uh, sort of clue us in, and, and it's a very simple story and in, uh, in, in the fact that uh, most of it's just uh, overcoming obstacles to uh, get to where they're going. Once again, that video game uh, uh, style blends in, and, and the use of color and the sequential art, you just sort of pick it up really easily. I've had two and three-year-olds love it, and I've had 80-year-old uh, men it, love it I actually a pair of grandparents bought it recently and just bragged and bragged so they didn't expect to read it they bought it for their grandchild <laughs> <laughs> and uh didn't expect to sit there and both of them read it and enjoy it which that's the kind of stuff you, you love to love to hear it can appeal to that wi- wide range
0: yeah and i, I, I and, oh, go you ahead had Noah. No, oh well, no. just real just really quickly talking to about the 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 all ages sort of feel to it i think that it would also be a great entry point for a child who hasn't developed all of the uh the the skills to read uh to understand sequential storytelling um or, or also like i'm thinking from a personal experience i have a daughter who is uh dyslexic and mm-hmm. you know she could pick this up and just sort of uh not stress out about you know am i am i getting all of the words right Am I am i battling my way through sort of in my mind you know having to flip the words she can just sort of sit down and enjoy it for for a story without the the stress so i would think the the two things of it like a er, really early entry point for for readers and for somebody who might have difficulties with you know their vocabulary or or their reading comprehension have you ever had any stories to to that effect
1: oh definitely uh, one of my good friends is a uh, a special needs uh psychologist uh and uh works a lot with, uh, autistic children and, uh, says they just, uh, gravitate right to that book. It's their favorite. When I come to her office to visit that is the book and she recommends it and buys it constantly buys copies for, uh, other special needs teachers and, and, and uh, social workers who work with special needs children, but much like your daughter comics saved me. I was not a reader. I was not a, Comics uh, made my life uh, wonderful because they taught me to love to read. Uh, The quotes at the beginning of the old Marvel and DC Comics, Mm -hmm. uh, the Shakespeare quotes, Paul Levitz might put in the front of uh, Superman or uh, Legion of Superheroes or something like that, made me say, well, maybe I should go read Shakespeare. Or if they they quoted George Orwell, maybe I should go read Orwell. And comics has always, to me, been the best uh, gateway to create readers because children are very visual visual creatures are tuned into what they're seeing and words don't always uh, compute right away at young ages like they should. It, mm-hmm. it should be more about uh, learning to love to read through their own time and their own process. Cause we all learn at different, different ways and different levels.
2: Yeah. My, my niece is just, exp- well, I, Thanks to me. Mostly I take credit for it. Um, But the um, I've been uh, giving her comics lately and um, we were at a bookstore recently and um, she was like looking through like sort of the normal picture books and stuff like that. But then she found a comic and that like glued her in and she really can't. She's learning how to read right now, but she can't read. And she just like the visual language eventually ended up like cluing her into what they were actually saying. So one time she was pretending to read it to me and what she was reading wasn't very far off from what the people were saying in the word balloons and uh, just magical. It's just great. And, uh, and I love it. Um, yeah. Only comics can a do lot- that.
1: I think the, the education system's finally cluing in to the power of comics and graphic novels, thankfully, because they made me a reader and I'm sure they've done it time and time again throughout the years.
2: Yeah. And I'd be interested in your, your thoughts on that on um, because we've talked a little bit before on the last episode that you sort of draw a lot of inspiration on some of your books, like the heroic few from those sort of classic bronze age comics. And um, you know, for, for like, you know, from like gold to bronze age, comics were geared more towards younger readers and things like that. And then there was like a switch during the bronze age where it became, I guess, more mainstream comics became more adult oriented and things like that. And, um, do you think that that was sort of like, do you think just because like comic readership has sort of grown that now we're seeing like more all, all ages comics and maybe kids returning back to comics is the, do, do you think, do you know what the do you have any like theories on the reason for that or anything like that?
1: Well, Raina Telgemeier is one real good reason in a, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, but just the discovery that there can be a graphic novel for everybody has helped a lot. Now, a lot of people, I'm not a big fan of the all ages category. That was actually the, uh, our, or, you know, we, we were an imprint of magnetic and they liked that, but there is no all ages uh, classroom. So there are a lot of people in publishing all ages is not their favorite terminology, but there is the graphic novel for every child of every age and every adult of every age. and, And, uh, there is definitely a growing understanding uh, when you see Raina Telgemeier uh, outsell Stephen King and Lee Childs. Mm-hmm. It, it shows that the power of uh, finding your audience and being able to to reach like she does uh, middle school and high school uh, uh, women that, uh, and and a lot of men too, and, and boys love her books, sort of like Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom when I was growing up. Uh, it's just this great cross section that, slowly builds an audience because you're telling stories people want to read. And, uh, that's just amazing to see what she's done in general. And then you've got people like Gene Yang and, uh, Jerry craft. And the more of those great people who get, uh, showcased to the, to this big, huge audience that Stephen King and Lee Childs and, uh, James Patterson get showcased to, uh, it's going to keep growing and keep blowing up
2: it's very cool to hear because like uh you know like comics is always sort of seen as like uh like pessimistically as like a dying medium and things like that but like i kind of have a hard time seeing it that way sometimes with just how much new stuff is being created and how many new voices are being brought to the medium
1: well to me it's a shift it's always shifting and uh you just hope it doesn't shift right out from under your feet, which it does to many people because you'll be successful doing one thing. And, uh, next thing you know, the market's gone and you know, horror comics are out and teenage romance is in, And, uh, but it always comes back around usually too. Uh, we see that in all forms of entertainment. It's just, uh, comics is always sort of depended on being an impulse item, uh, like bubble gum, uh, popsicles national Enquirer's. it fed for so many years on being that impulse item you could grab for your kid for a buck or you could grab for yourself for a buck and when it shifted from that uh things were definitely going to shrink <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just hard to know uh where that firewall is when's the market going to stop shrinking but the growth of the graphic novel and uh, marvel going with uh, was it random house uh is distribution is great because much like my distributor diamond is just another vendor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the more companies start using diamond distribution is just another vendor and have multiple sources of distribution. I think it'll start to grow again. Yeah.
0: So Noah had mentioned, uh, the heroic few and I'm looking at the Kickstarter page uh, as, uh, right now, and it's not just light that's available. You have, uh, some of the, the other catalog available um, for folks to, to sample based on what they, what tier they select in the Kickstarter. So do you wanna talk a little bit about some of the other books that are, that are part oh, of this?
1: Yes. Oh, thanks, Matt. I, I, I would never have thought to mention, i <laughs> you did, but yeah, we've got The Heroic Few. We've got Lost, of course, the sequel to Light by Rob Cam. Like I said, two little adventures fall into another dimension and must go their separate ways to come back together and escape and then you've got a uh, heroic few my classic uh, take on roy thomas's crazy quartet of the avengers captain america uh when it was just uh, scarlet witch quicksilver and hawkeye i always love that underpowered group so you've got those many comics i did rhythm man uh about chick Webb, the great jazz drummer uh vamp hunter uh croc hunter meets uh of a- you know, Dracula and stuff like that. The many comics are great. And then we've got the books we published, like I said, Lost Hunters by Josh Tierney and Paul Mayberry, a big, beautiful anthology. Um, we've got Cloudy and Rex by Ulysses. Frenis, Daniel Arrazari and Eric Freitas. who you just had on. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, uh, the other Josh Tierney, uh, single story anthology warm blood volume one which just came out uh last year which did really good for us and it's just a good old-fashioned high school mystery but those are all available on there and i added two new art reward art rewards this week and i'll add several more uh later this week and next week
2: i'm excited i i've been Every time I like, I keep like, I've been sort of like holding out for those like extra awards. Like I am going to back it and stuff like that. So like, also I knew I was going to be talking to you. So I was like, I really want to get excited and then like make my pledge. So that's uh, so I'm, well, I'm definitely excited now.
1: <laughs> keep your eyes open for tomorrow morning. I, I got some stuff uh, from Melody often a piece of her original artwork, which will be a re- a reward I'm posting. And then uh, Ulysses Farinas, uh, who is right now uh, the creative director of the company who helped start it with me. Uh, He has donated a piece of original art. And if you know, Ulysses work, uh, his original art is just uh, amazing, beautiful and very hard to get a piece of. Yeah. It's very hard to come across one. So those will be up and slowly, but surely a a couple others are coming along as uh, our other contributors uh, donate and and throw stuff uh, my way very cool.
0: So this was a little bit in the, the pre-show interview, we talked about the, uh, the sort of the shift uh, I'm looking, this is the the first Kickstarter you guys have run because normally your presence would have been sort of pounding the pavement, going, going to con, setting up a table and, and hand selling books. But you know, this being 2020 moving into 2021, we're sort of moving, you know, a lot of folks aren't able to table. So, so Kickstarter is the way to um you know, distribute your books? Um, Did you sort of go and look at other campaigns that you liked and sort of model those after them? Or um, did you have, did you guys come together with a plan? Like what was some of the research you did into launching your first Kickstarter?
1: Well, uh, I did as much research and reading as I could do, but I think you always, as you know, have to do it. Mm-hmm. To, to know and uh definitely modeled it after uh like we uh some uh kickstarters you guys were involved in uh ichabod jones i think uh russell nolte stuff uh learned a lot from him and uh shin leday a friend of mine had done one and several uh, birdcage bottom books of course uh always try to emulate jt Yoast and what he does which is brilliant out of brooklyn new york who, who does tons of great indie graphic novels birdcage bottom books uh if you if you haven't heard about them, check them out because uh, what they do there is uh, just spectacular. And it's always a big influence on me, but uh, once again, we're learning as we go. Um, it's all about having an audience and hopefully we can bring our audience together to get this book out. And, uh, even if the Kickstarter didn't work, we'd still be able to get the book out. But this seemed like it's just such a wonderful pre-order system and to build excitement and to get get you press excitement. It does all the stuff you need to do when you launch a book Mm -hmm. and, uh, which makes it a great system.
0: Yeah. And, you know, another thing we saw in the, you know, 2020, as we sort of had that shift for not having cons, we saw a lot of folks that, um, you know, we're more established at the big two sort of turning to Kickstarter. You had, you had Scott Snyder coming to Kickstarter, Jeff Lemire and, you know, Keanu Reeves did launch his Kickstarter the same day we launched our Kickstarter as well. So that's, that's been a shift for folks and, in, in, you know, in this new, new environment. Um, and I'm wondering how much that that's going to, to continue. Um, I would be interested in the future if we don't, I've always had a theory that somebody from the big two is going to kickstart one of their titles like let's just just for example say like Marvel wanted to to kickstart spider-man so that they only printed out as many spider-mans as they they had the audience for and and, and ship them directly I, I wonder if that'll ever happen
1: it's with the big two they've got such a big imprint in retail I don't know if that'll ever happen. Uh, But it's certainly happened with uh, other companies that I I was a little surprised they went that way. I know Image has done quite a few people have done it. I think through Image, I I saw Excellence was doing their graphic novel, which I wouldn't think I would have figured that would have been done huge business. But I think it's all about that audience. If you've got an audience, Mm -hmm. it's your audience best thing in the world for you right now is to go someplace like kickstarter as an artist or creator and uh, continue to build it there and uh you can cut out the middleman it's wonderful it's distribution it's advertising it's marketing and it builds your audience i mean you really can't ask for much more uh than what kickstarter is doing right now so i i think you'll see bigger and bigger artists going that way and creators and writers like snyder and uh, which can't get much bigger than the guy who wrote Batman. So, very true. Very, <laughs> yeah,
2: true. very true. Yeah. I uh, was excited to see you guys do a Kickstarter because it, it felt um, well, it felt like a great way, of course, to get people on board, like you said, to create an audience. But it also kind of felt like this is uh, your way of sort of giving back to the people that come to the cons and come to your booths, you know. While while you can't be there, and it just sort of feels like a a, like sort of like a virtual extended like you know handshake that kind of thing. Like yeah, like you know here we're 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 doing this for you guys as well. Like there's just something nice about that with Kickstarter where you can retain your audience and also just sort of make create a new one at the same time, which is it's kind of like a virtual convention in that way.
1: Oh, it is, and it's the best sort of version of it because uh, you get to you get the message, you can message somebody, the updates come in It's really a, a wonderful system and crowdfunding is certainly not going away. Uh, but the thing, the real strength is when you see somebody like Keanu come, uh, is that he used it to sort of get himself more leverage. And now there's going to be an animated series and, and a movie and you can showcase the other people entertainment if you're looking to sell it and, mm-hmm and really say, Hey, look what we just did on, on Kickstarter. And that's mm-hmm. something everybody can uh, look at. And I think more and more people will be discovered. Creators will be discovered and, uh, can't, that's what we all want really is a more opportunity to showcase our work to a bigger audience and to publishers and, and other folks in entertainment
2: so true and I'm, I'm excited that light is sort of now being a part of that as well because it's sort of uh, not that you set out to make comics in order to get like you know other people to look at it right like that should never be your main goal like to you know or something like that but like it would be a shame if someone didn't come along and see the potential of like an animation with light especially since you guys have a great animation created for the kickstarter actually well. that
1: it has been and it has been optioned by a company out of the philippines and that is their animation it's oh, rocket awesome. sheep, rocket rocket sheep s-h-e-e-p rocket sheep and their production company out of the philippines and they purchased the rights to light and lost and are uh working to do an animated movie for it oh, oh wow oh wow.
2: my gosh i can't wait for that i really hope it happens because the, the animation yeah, yeah the, i hope the animation that um ulysses posted the other day is awesome it's like uh it's like old fleischer uh style um almost like classic disney feel to it it's great
1: oh it's beautiful animation in fact i had somebody contact me the other day uh interested in, in uh in it in the film rights for it so it's one of those things where you know real quick uh uh If you got a hit or not, and it was a hit right away, I think for Rob in the Philippines, I think the first 1500 in the Philippines sold out almost within a week and we sold out of ours, even though some are still available on Amazon and through bookstores, uh, uh, sold out in less than a year of our run. So it it just had that uh, amazing. uh, And you know, when you've done something and published something like that, because people walk 200 yards across a convention room, uh, the moment they walk in, because they just saw the cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like wow. Uh, when the cover draws them in like that, you know you've got something there.
2: Yeah, Matt and I can speak from experience because that's what what uh, was our experience with the book too. We obviously we met you at an, in an elevator at Heroes Con three years ago almost, but uh, but then we came up to your table and saw. At least for me, I don't know if it was the same for you, Matt, but like yeah, yeah. it was the cover. And then you opening it up for us and showing us the art it was like oh yeah I'm totally getting that like that mm-hmm. it's it's so unique it's just wonderful
1: well i appreciate you guys doing that but yeah we <laughs> it's always fun you never know who you'll meet in the elevator at heroescon right uh, it's uh yeah they get in there with stranko or simonson or somebody if you're <laughs> lucky but uh though no, it's yeah. uh, it's great heroescon has always been home in a way and uh it seems like we always connect at wonderful conventions that's for sure you guys are like me you try to get to all the good ones yeah.
0: yeah i was i was thinking about that and was your con presence um you said you were doing about 20 30 shows a year um you know but where you were located were you trying to sort of were you branching out from the south and the east coast or were you making it like out west? Does this Kickstarter allow you like sort of more of a, of a, of a presence that you might not be able to get with the, you know, stick it to a region or, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to get to a con that's three hours to your house, as opposed to, you know, you know, 12 hours from your house. So, so how has, how has that changed things for you?
1: Well, we were going to try to do some more out west, uh, of course, then the pandemic hit, we got into Van Calf and, and a couple others out that way and uh, really wanted to do them. But uh, as soon as COVID hit, that that plan sort of went out the window. So Kickstarter does allow us to reach places that we usually wouldn't. Uh, the thing about it is we're, we're in a great area here where I live in the Southeast, the Carolinas, Virginia, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina. There's so many small, uh, Towns like, uh, or not, small towns and and nice sized cities like Greenville, Spartanburg, Asheville, uh, Chapel Hill, Richmond, and as you guys know, in this area, you can find a convention, uh, at least pre COVID, or could about every other uh, week if you wanted to. That's it's just true. a great little area for
0: for conventioning. So, yep. with with your shipping on this Kickstarter, did you do, are you doing like international shipping? Because I would think with a.
1: Well, I'll I'll let you answer the question first. Are you are you well, doing? Well, we're going to you... let Amazon handle international uh, okay. and stuff like that. We're just shipping right now to uh, the United States and Canada. Uh, really, we have uh, worldwide distribution. For this new edition but the previous edition we only had the north american publishing rights so. okay. it's a little bit of a it, it's one of those things where i think uh it, it's hard to know exactly uh how big a footprint uh to, to because of shipping mm-hmm. i don't want to overcharge people and uh it's a it's a little tricky that international shipping
0: definitely <laughs> it is yeah. Uh, did you guys uh,
1: do international?
0: I have I've done international shipping in the past um, on some stuff. And there has been some surprises when I when I get to the post office and I, I give them the address and they're like, this is the uh, the, the amount that it's going to cost. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm here and I'm, I'm committed <laughs> to ship this book. So that's that's going to be the cost. So um, so, there, yeah, yep. that's that's tricky sometimes.
1: Well, we do a lot of shipping of our books now off our website, and uh, we have contributors all over the world, uh, you know, and so I'm familiar with the world of international shipping, and my fear of overcharging somebody was uh, just a, and I sure can't afford to undercharge uh, Mm -hmm. running a small business, so it's just uh, a business decision, and the books will be available on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, and through our uh, worldwide distribution distribution which is ingram consortium which is a massive indie book uh distributor so our books will be out there for everybody to receive it just not necessarily on this kickstarter
0: okay
1: so when you hit the launch button on the uh the kickstarter was it
0: uh you know excitement nervousness or a, a combination of of the two you
1: know it was excitement uh I don't have enough, I I get uh, nervous of course, but I think it's nervous excitement because I like to learn. Mm -hmm. You're always learning and Kickstarter is a fresh ground for me to learn and, and, you know, uh, pick up new skills. I mean, crowdfunding is the wave of the future and no matter what happens with this one, I'm definitely going to look for it uh, to do more of it for smaller projects and hopefully some bigger ones down the line. Uh, especially like the one you mentioned, like Heroic Few. We've got the number one issue of it coming out, a 48-pager. And uh, if we did a Kickstarter for that, which we're planning to, it'll be rather small just to, to help pay for some of the design and publishing or printing, sorry, printing.
0: And do you use the same, um, the uh, well, maybe you use different printers based on the the project, but do you sort of have like a, like a go-to printer for like uh something that's you know going to be of a different quality say like the light book as opposed to if you're going to do a mini comic with you know a fold and a staple do you do you have sort of printers that you go to that you that you know
1: we do uh i i tend to use marquee out of canada uh for for most stuff uh lately Uh, they did the last two books Uh, you can always use southeast asia china korea uh, co- countries like that uh, you just have to be well in advance you have to be ahead of the curve and uh, about a year and then we use uh, like as you know there's always wonderful local mm-hmm. printers that can help you do many comics along with the the wonderful people out there who specialize in uh, floppies 22 pagers so when you use sort of a a printer in in asia are you getting like a
0: uh, and this is going into the weeds of of stuff but i I think this would be interesting for people are you getting like like a manifest saying that this left uh this port on a certain day and then you're sort of waiting in limbo to say it showed up in, in long beach and it's 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 being offloaded now
1: exactly and then uh the big problem, of, of course, is as uh, as you well know, it it's just uh, takes some time to get approved into the states once it's offloaded. Okay. I just blanked on the, the word for that. I gu- I guarantee Matt knows it, but uh, uh, approved. Uh, w- you know you what get, I mean. You got to right? get cleared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got to get it yeah. cleared and in, uh, in through customs. That's it through customs. Yeah. But and, and once I know- it's done that. I'm sorry. That just why you got to be ahead of the curve with the, when you use uh, somebody out of country like that. Yeah. And
0: I think I've actually heard sort of, uh, you know, there's, there's every once in a while it, this happens and I've heard people like have like a horror story that like the book shipped, it got to a port in say California, but then there's like a like a union strike and like all the dock workers aren't like you know they're 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 picketing for that week, so the book just sits there for like an extra week or two before sort of the you know they're able to work out all of the negotiations. So like that's even another thing that you kind of have you know worry. back well, at the, the back Suez.
1: Of yeah, the Suez Canal this week. From what I hear, that's backed up uh, books uh, a few books. Um, so it. it the good thing about it is book distributors are sort of used to that mm-hmm. and, and they know how to work around it. Nobody's uh, holding a gun to anybody's head. If the book's two months later, a month late. Um, and in fact, the, the stuff I've been getting during the pandemic, uh, the books that are selling the best or really the books that came out, uh, sometimes, uh, Two, three, four, five years ago, people are going back and finding books they might have missed. It's not necessarily the newest book that is the best sellers right now on the market. So, uh, it's sort of interesting. Books, sort of like comics, uh, don't spoil. Mm-hmm. And coming true, true. from an ice cream background, that's a good thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> are you are you joking with that, or is this another just yeah. next level no, of saw, your interesting? Uh, backstory
1: i i saw benny jerry's ice cream for a long time and uh one thing you learn real quick is uh, don't ever sell anything that melts <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun actually but you know power goes out or your truck breaks down your your uh i have stood uh, knee deep in melted ice cream before uh with hornets buzzing around uh, scooping it into buckets to get it into a dumpster so it's it's much much nicer to sell something that uh, you can sit on a shelf and it'll keep
2: yeah yeah definitely i would i would imagine <laughs> <laughs> um so with um like you know last time we talked we talked about sort of like you know your creative endeavors with things like the heroic few and um uh and, and sort of like you know what, what what's the future with that series um but like are you, do you have like uh, any new updates with that one?
1: Well, the future's bright, actually uh, a new digital publisher. That's uh comics Inc LLC. They have a uh, app they are testing. Uh, I think I mentioned you guys and I've been editing a few books, uh, mentioned it to you guys. Uh, I've been editing a few books and they'll be doing the heroic few as a continuing series nice. and uh, awesome. a, a page a week, I think is uh So it'll be coming out uh it right now the app's in beta testing, but it'll be a a wonderful app for reading comics with some amazing creators that uh I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you he'll be on it, but some really cool stuff. (laughs) And it's more for eighteen plus. It's more sci fi and uh it's it's a little bit different than webtoons or Golly, I've just blanked on the other one, but you know, webtoons is a little bit more frolic. This is a, some really cool science fiction and and superhero stories and uh, horror and a little bit of everything actually, but a, a little bit more geared for the uh, older kid.
2: Is uh is like going to be on there too?
1: No, Vampunter right now. But what it will be allowing me to do is uh, continue a heroic few. Right now, uh, I've got thirty-two pages that'll be up on the app and that grows every week a new page every week
2: man that's awesome i love that book so much um it's it's just a lot of fun from start to finish just pulpy fun it's, uh
1: well that's what it was uh, it's based on the old picture that Kirby drew of cap punching iron man and and uh somebody had once told me if you want to write superheroes you better of right superheroes <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and uh i really had an opportunity to work with matt lesniewski on something small and then turn it over to brandon Hendricks, who's the artist on it now and uh couldn't pass up an opportunity to work with matt because as you both know he just one of the better young artists in in the world of comics and it, it's grown from there and allowed me to really tell a good story about uh superheroes punching uh, bad guys and we've got, I've got some more complex stuff down the road, but sometimes what comes, uh, what gets birthed not always the the story you think it will heroic few was not the story I thought I'd be telling right now, but everybody who's read it really sort of gravitated to it. And, and when this new publisher read it, they loved it and said, Hey, this is what I want and keep doing more of it.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. And, um, I, I love, so, you know, I love, uh, you know, you're sort of like, re- it's not like Reader's Digest in the sense where there's just not a lot of weight to it, but just in sort of nice how convenient it is. But um, your, your book, your short comic on Chick Webb was just so was just so beautiful, like from start to finish. And um, I think around the time we interviewed you, we had um, Eric and uh, Eric Freitas and, and Derek on talk about uh, Give Me That Mummy, uh, that mummy. And um, Derek's art on on the chick book is just amazing, too. Like, it's just was sort of nice, you know, from start to finish, um, like incredibly sweet book. Like, look at someone's life. Uh, is there anything else like that coming up for you?
1: Well, there's a couple things right now. Uh, it, it, it's uh, something more uh, akin to the road warrior. I've been working on uh, uh, a different, uh, what I call, I guess in Australia, they're called Hoons, H O O N S, the big vehicles like in the Road Warrior. Okay. Uh, done a, a bunch of little different stories, one called Kill Tractor, one called mm-hmm. Rambulance, uh, <laughs> another one uh, based on Knight Rider. And uh, and then they're all going to come together and clash uh, eventually in a big story. And then I've also got a a couple biographical tales coming up, uh, like Chick Webb was just always one of my heroes growing up. It was the first 45 I had, I think was, uh, Ella Fitzgerald and the Chick Webb orchestra, a Tisket, a Tasket, my little yellow basket. And, uh, of course, fell in love with that album and through the years, kept trying to learn more and more about Chick. And it was sort of hard, surprisingly. And eventually as you get older and find more resources, I was able to learn more and do that story. And I've, I've got a couple more in line like that and uh it just uh people like that that you you all have them like i do people that have just inspired you through the years and their stories deserve to be told at least in some form and indie comics is sort of that free form where you can tell any story you want
2: Mm -hmm. um we had a we had a guy on last week who was doing a book on tom petty and um yeah he was talking about just sort of the he had to go like do find some creative ways to integrate lyrics in because it's not like approved by tom petty's estate um so did you have to do similar stuff like that on the chick web book was just trying to find uh find ways to
1: all that stuff's in public domain because it was in the 30s so it's pretty wide open there uh uh the the two songs that i quoted i i know it's awful tough and tom petty of course is one of those people i that's very i'll have to read that uh of course because that's the i think one of the first tapes i bought was tom petty southern accents and the first cd i bought i know was full moon fever and uh it's just tough i i've always wanted to do something on Warren Zavon uh or or towns van Zandt or guy clark but once again that that's the problem is uh I'm not a lawyer so it, it's tough to know where the legalese comes into all that mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you could reach out to the estate if uh, you were brave enough and what's the worst that could happen they say no but it's it's definitely a very I know z2 is doing a lot of those books but it's always seems to be with the approval of the artists mm-hmm. or in collaboration with them
0: so one of the questions we ask people that we have on um, when they're running the Kickstarter and this being the, the, the first Kickstarter that, that you're running, um, how are you uh, managing your, 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 your sanity? Are you, are you clicking the refresh button every 30 seconds or are you sort of stepping away and then coming back and, and, and seeing where you are? Um, or how, how, are things, how, are, how are you handling things that way?
1: Well, lucky I've got enough other stuff to to be working on right now. Like I said, uh, the heroic few, uh, we've got it coming along. So scripting that as well as uh, getting it uh, updated on the app. And then we've got, like I said, I've been uh, editing some stuff. So uh, been keeping busy, but it, like you said, it's awful tempting to hit the refresh button, uh, mm-hmm. I haven't been doing it as much. I think the first day I, I like this in accomplishing anything, but it, it's a tough to resist. And plus Kickstarter is not necessarily within my nature. I, I come from that sort of old school business, small business background. I grew up in my parents' small business, worked for several uh, and uh, run a couple of small companies. And at a certain point you feel like you can do it all on your own. Uh, but the one thing about getting into book publishing that you realize that it Just like in other businesses about the customer, it's about your audience and the readers and couldn't ask for a better system than the Kickstarter to do a a pre-order system and, and reach your audience.
0: Nice. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're handling it better than than I am because I am a chronic uh, hit the refresh button and 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 see where we are. So, and I also I also have an agreement with my wife that uh, during the the thirty days of of Kickstarter, if I walk around sighing, it's just just leave me alone because it's nothing it's nothing major. <laughs> it's just me obsessing over the uh, the the numbers and I'm just off in my own world.
1: It's hard not to. And at some point, it's even a failed kickstart has helped you get your name out there and build an audience. Uh, thankfully, I don't think you guys had had to deal with it and hopefully I won't, but uh, I think my phone told me that I I had gone way over my allotted amount of time. I think, uh, last week after I started it, I think I was averaging well uh, into double digit (laughs) hours checking my phone. So I must've been like you, Matt there for a little bit hitting that uh hitting those icons and checking that kickstarter uh and wonderfully about the smartphone is it uh gives you something to worry about wherever you are
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's a blessing and a curse to have all of the information in, in your pocket because uh it is all of the information and it can come at you uh, uh all the time so
1: I've, I've started to enjoy just putting it on the charger for about an hour and, or two and just leaving it alone. And uh, it's amazing how quick you forget about it when you don't have it on you. Mm-hmm. It really is.
0: Yeah. And I've found that like uh, it's, it's also one of those weird things. It's always like uh, you know, the, the saying like a, a bot or a watched pot doesn't boil. Like if I'm sitting there in front of my computer, and I'm hitting the refresh button, it doesn't happen. But then I go take my dog for a walk. And, you know, 30 minutes, I come back later, and there's four, there's four backers. So for that, you know, that 20 minutes, the 30 minutes where I was out doing something else, that's was some something was happening. But when I'm sitting there hoping for something to happen, nothing happens. So that's, there's always sort of that sort of you
1: know i'm a big believer in cosmic physics and karma there's a lot going down in this universe we don't understand and the and the watch pot never boiling is one of those things it's uh it's definitely the 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 biggest uh problem with it is you you you'd like it to happen quicker and mm-hmm. uh sometimes it just like with ours I, i'm discovering there's and you discovered it probably too there's just a little more work you can do that one more thing and and uh that that's a tough month to live through i'm sure <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's uh well we did it for two months which i think was i think maybe took 10 years off of matt's life um yeah so we've all, we've all right agreed that six
0: 60 days 60 days is
2: uh is, is never going to happen again we're
1: we're we're 30 days max so well that's it you learn that's all you can do really yeah and so and like it's positive
0: yeah and and so another thing i think a lot of kickstarter uh people that are in a kickstarter what they what we all sort of experience is there's the rush at the beginning and then there's the lull in the middle and then there's a number of people who are sort of watching it um and as it gets closer to that end date or it gets closer to that funding goal that's when they come in so did you experience like a like a first day first couple of days rush and then sort of everything like sort of (laughs) like almost
1: to well, the slope. Exactly. Uh, you know, that first week we did really good and this is our second week and, or the beginning really of a second week. And, uh, I've been sitting there. In fact, somebody, uh, took back their pledge and you're like, Oh my gosh, we're going in reverse now, but it, it just how it happens. And mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that, but that's sort of what I always read and heard. And honestly, you just got to take your lumps sometimes it, it, and uh bad days and good days we had a couple good days and then it dropped off but uh i i think you sort of can learn from that too yeah like like i said russell nolte and and uh birdcage bottom books some of the people they've done it and Mm -hmm. and they fought the battles and they and they've got that system and that strategy down and i'm sure it's one of the, the more you do it the the more strategies and reassurance you get as you go along. But uh, the point where you guys were at, where you're your first one and my first one, uh, we're not quite there yet to be at ease. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you ever get there. No, I don't think you do. No, probably not. No. Awesome. Well,
0: Storm, it was it was great catching up with you. I'm excited uh, to, to see this, uh, this book and, and have a chance to, to catch up with you again um noah do you do you have anything as as we close up
2: um nothing that i can think about i'm just you know incredibly grateful that you give us your time and that you've talked uh about so many different things and um excited to get the deluxe edition of light so thanks for coming on
1: no thank you guys i i kind of contacted you late in the game i should have plotted out the podcast uh that i that i wanted to be on but you guys were definitely first on my list always fun talking to you guys you both know comics you both love comics and couldn't imagine two uh, two people uh, more fun to talk comics with
0: very uh, i appreciate that a lot um but as we close up why don't you let folks know where to to find find you and uh tell us one more time about the the story of light to to you know sell us on it as as we close up here
1: well, you can find me at Storm Smith, S-T-R-M-E-S-M-I-T-H-B-U-N-O, Buno. And, of course, at Buno Books on Twitter and Instagram, B-U-N-O-B-O-O-K-S, at Buno Books. And uh, our Light Kickstarter, Light the Deluxe Edition by Rob Cam, is on Kickstarter right now, about two little adventurers who fall down a hole and must find five gems to bring light back to their black and white world. And it's a beautiful silent graphic novel with uh, full page panels. That's pretty much uh, good reading for anybody of any age.
0: Very cool. So we're going to have links to that social media and the show notes. And we'll also put a oh, link, a link to the Kickstarter to make it as easy as possible for anybody listening, just to go over to the show notes, click that link and have the Kickstarter pop right up on their, on their well, phone or their you. computer. So, uh, yeah, um, you know Noah and I have been huge fans of this book um, for for two, maybe three years now. So we're excited to see this new iteration of it. So we it has our it has our stamp
1: of approval. Well, thank you again. The folks who I have yet to get, I, I'm sure I've read a review or two, but the the people who've read it, it's it, it has that wonder, especially if you're a fan of sequential art. We we mm-hmm. just don't get to see you, color used as a character quite as beautifully as it's done in light and you guys see i appreciate your guys praise and i'm so glad you guys enjoyed the book
0: oh no problem thank you so for for anybody listening if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use really appreciate it if you want to follow the podcast we're on twitter at construct compod Instagram is constructing comics pot and Facebook is constructing comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be nice to each other, be safe, and go out there and make some comics.